Thanks for tuning in to Above the Fold with the Ag Communicators Network, a podcast for the latest headlines and conversations in ag media. I'm Holly Spengler, editor of Prairie Farmer and executive editor at Farm Progress. Today's episode is brought to you by Wiffles Hybrids. Today, we are diving a little deeper into the future of print media and agriculture, right into the college kids. For the third episode in this series, I'm talking with my friend, Lindsay Kennedy, who is an assistant professor of practice and ag communications at Texas Tech University. I've gotten to speak with Lindsay's magazine class in the past, and they are doing some really cool, very practical work in putting out a print publication. And I mean, everything from selling ads to writing stories to buying paper, which has not been fun lately. And you guys are telling her things about what they want to read and how they want to read it that will surprise you. She and I had a conversation at uh, a media summit that I haven't stopped thinking about because these are future readers and employees. So here is my conversation with Lindsay Kennedy on what the college kids have to say about the future of print media and agriculture. Lindsay Kennedy, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I always enjoy talking to you at Ag Media Summit. It feels like it's the one time of year we get to catch up in real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those moments are far and few between anymore, it seems like. Exactly, exactly. So share a little bit about what you do. You are there at Texas Tech University working with students all the time. Yes, I am an assistant professor of practice in ag communications at Texas Tech. Um, I've been there since 2015 um, and I teach our magazine production class. I also teach photography. Um, I teach a writing class. A lot of those things kind of end up going hand in hand. Um, I advise students. Uh, another thing that I do is I, I lead a, a leadership program within our College of Ag. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. Um, the professor of practice role is kind of unique, uh, especially in AgCom, but where that comes from is um, I had about a decade's worth of industry experience before I got to Texas Tech uh, to teach. Mm -hmm. So I worked for commodity organizations, but you know, to be honest, my, my main goal coming out of college at Arkansas was to be an ag editor. That's what I, that was my life goal right. and got to do that, got to look, do a little bit of that. Um, did a lot of freelancing in college, but, um, you know, worked for Ozarks Farm and Neighbor as their founding managing editor in, in the Arkansas um, publication. And then uh, went on to the commodity world and then uh, was editor of Sorghum Grower Magazine. So take a lot of those experiences and, and try to throw them into the classroom and um, get to put all that to use with our students. And that that publication is an award-winning student publication. It is. Um, it's something that we're really proud of. Our students work really hard on the, on the magazine. It's called The Agriculturist. Um, we've been, I should know this, but we've been putting it together for a really long time at Texas Tech. Um, I took over that particular class that produces the agriculturists um, in 2016. Uh, Dr. David Dorfert had had it for several years before me and did a really good job. And uh, one of the things that I always appreciated of his leadership of the class was just kind of this constant effort to make sure that the class and the magazine itself um, was replicating the industry trends. So yeah. making sure that, you know, I, I remember him introducing the idea of a digital publication and, you know, that's changed that I, you know, is it a, a PDF with links? Is it a website? You know, um, those things have changed a lot in the last several years and, and what we think about those, but he always did a good job of making sure that the class replicated those real world industry trends. And that's something that, that I've tried to do as well. I will say something unique about our, our magazine class 
is that it is part of a four course block schedule. Um, you know, the idea of a block is pretty common in ag education. So with, with teacher certification, a lot of students and a lot of programs across the country in ag ed, they have these block courses. Um, and so we adopted this idea. We just, this past spring, we finished our sixth year doing the ag comm block. And what that is, is it's four courses, including the magazine. We also have uh, an ag campaigns class. We have advanced uh, design, which kind of goes hand in hand with the magazine class. And then we have a convergence in media course. And so those four courses work together and students kind of come in as a cohort um, the spring semester of their senior year. And they have this very, um, you know, we're, we're trying to create this real world experience for them that they're like working for a, a an ag organization that has all these different elements and components to it. So it's a capstone, capstone experience. Um, the magazine's a big part of that. Um, the courses all kind of work together to create different elements of the magazine. And um, so, you know, our, our goal is to create really powerful experiential learning opportunities for students. And, you know, if, if they're not ready for the real world when they come out of that, then, you know, we did something wrong. <laughs> That's not, like, not for lack of trying. <laughs> right. We tried. We tried. <laughs> for sure. That is fantastic. It's been a few years since I judged that category in ACT, the, the magazine category, but Every year when I, when I have done that in the past, like yours is right up there, you know, just a solid professional looking. And and I love that idea of like making it follow industry trends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our students, they, they write the stories, they do the interviews, um, they shoot the images that go with their stories. They lay out the designs, they sell advertising. Um, I tell you what, the advertising thing has been interesting. Our blocks are, are getting bigger and bigger. We, you know, and that's a challenge teaching a class that has anywhere between 40 and 50 students in it, you know, and it's, that's, you know, there's not many publications that have that many people working <laughs> for them. No. So we're, we're trying to put together a magazine with that many students. And, um, you know, we've, we've changed it up over the years to, we, we allow them to apply for these different positions within the magazine. And so they have these different departments. And so some of them are a little bit more sales focused. Um, so if they, like feel they like have to be hired to do that job is what you're saying. Right, right. And some right. of them are, are very heavy, you know, writing and others are very heavy photography. And, you know, mm -hmm. you give the students a lot of buy-in in that process mm -hmm. of saying like, hey, this is something I'm really interested in exploring. Let me kind of go all in on this. And so the rubric, you know, favors those particular elements, depending on what, what, department that they're working in in the magazine but uh, this last issue was 148 pages and okay. I think we sold like I don't know close to $37,000 so wow. um, which is good because paper costs went way up and we needed uh -huh. to do that to print and, and mail the magazine so uh -huh. it's a it's like running a small business and again it's it's one of those real world experiences that we hope our students can get while they're in our program that's fantastic I mean, just for just for students to have to deal with revenue and profit and loss and print yeah. and paper costs like. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, this issue of oh, goodness, I so I started college at Arkansas in 2001. And, you know, the early 2000s was an interesting time just in general, as far as technology goes, because, mm -hmm. you know, I think when I started, I had a math class that used uh, floppy disks. <laughs> and then by the yes. time I ended, you know, we had zip drives and, you know, thumb drives and we were just like, wow, what are these? You know, and by the time I got to Texas Tech, I remember uh, Cindy Akers class. She was like, we need, you know, you need to buy a, a 256 megabyte, you know, thumb drive. Mm -hmm. We're like, whoa, that's so much storage. Now that's like, they don't even make those that small. But right. Um, right. 
all they it's have to so say funny. Like, we just had that same conversation the other night at home trying to tell my high schoolers like this is how we used to do this like I was trying to explain a DOS computer that my parents got in 1989 and how there wasn't any storage it just I mean it was you know you had a, a floppy disk that was actually floppy and um and so like there's just wow. this massive transition since then but I bring that up because even then the conversation was still centered around do we still need print magazines you know yeah. and that's been you know 20 years ago and I was thinking about that when we were at Ag Media Summit this year is like we're still having the same conversation like it really hasn't like there's a lot of moving parts that have changed a lot obviously social media has completely blown up and and changed the way we think about you know Ag Media um, but we're still having the same conversation of do we need to print this magazine or not? And so true. you know, our I was mentioning our paper costs. You know, our paper costs went up nine thousand dollars to print the agriculturists this year, and that's you know, and we're a small publication. You know, we we print once a year. Um, you know, it's a student publication, but you know, people still say like I get calls and they, you know, I always appreciate getting this feedback, but they're like, you know, that was a great magazine, but what I really like was the paper. <laughs> they're like, I really like how that paper felt and yeah. you know it's, it's such a funny thing that that still really matters to your audience um but we're still having the same conversation that we've been talking about for you know 20 some odd years yeah yeah well and i tell you what it stuck in my head since the conversation you and i had at ams was that your students want a printed magazine so yeah. tell me how that came up like like it, it's it just runs so counter to what we think right like the conventional wisdom is that everybody the younger just wants it digital and they don't oh know, yeah magazine. yeah and it's it's wild because that's always been the assumption is we yeah. come and divide younger audiences with older audiences and we assume well it's only the old folks that want to hold this magazine in their hands those young folks they all you know they want to read it on their phone mm -hmm. um that's not necessarily true i i've joked i, I turned 40 on the 22nd um, and, you know, for a long time, I thought, you know, I really like, I'm really into like, I can connect with these students, like I'm, I'm on their level and some things. And then, and then I've realized that I'm, I'm really not like, there's like, you know, my jokes aren't as funny anymore. You know, you start getting those subtle hints. It really and, sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Right. Like, oh, shoot, like I'm not, I'm not really with it anymore. Um, so, you know, we, we tend to want to put Gen Z in a, in a particular box and make a lot of assumptions about them. And. And it's easy to think, you know, they are, they're very mobile device driven. Mm -hmm. I mean, those kids are on their phones all the time. Um, but what's fascinating about it. So a, an assignment that I started having in my class was I want you, like I would ha have them pick out a magazine and I'm like, I don't care if it's an ag, you know, just any kind of magazine that aligns with an interest that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw everything from Rolling Stones to Magnolia, to, you know, it's just like, right. like, like good housekeeping. Um, there's all kinds of magazines that they bring, but I, I made them like pick a magazine and they had to buy a current issue. And so, so we don't have a book for this class. It's very, you know, hands-on. Um, but they had to have a magazine that they kept up to date throughout the semester. And a lot of that was for the purpose of, you know, learning, you know, different styles and different layouts and just different things about how the magazine world works. Um, but I asked them, you know, we, we talk about this, you know, trends and industry changes through the years, especially in ag media. And I talk about this, like we've been having the same conversation since I was in college. Um, should we still print a magazine? And I, I kind of take the temperature of each class every year. And it honestly hasn't changed very much. And 
the majority of the class says, I, I still like to hold a magazine in my hand. They're like, and the reason, and I think this is fascinating, is so much of the rest of their information consumption is digital that they, they like and they seek out other ways to, to do that. And having a magazine in their hands is, is one of those things. So yeah, it surprises me every year, but honestly, it's, that's been kind of consistent from year to year with our students. Do you think the pandemic had more to do with that too? I mean, and, and I'm, again, I'm asking that as, as somebody who's seen my high school and college students spend a whole lot of time on Zoom yeah. and the screens and they're tired of it. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's that Zoom fatigue that all of us certainly had. And, you know, across other programs I'm involved in on campus with our students, they just crave those interpersonal interactions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that there's just certain things a screen can't replace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I don't know if that will always be the case. I, I, I want to believe that that's something that's like in our human nature that <laughs> you can't just turn off and on. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely the pandemic, I mean, gosh, it, it's changed the way we teach. It's changed the way we approach classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it didn't, then we weren't paying attention. You know, that's, right. it was a transformative change for everybody involved. And I think, you know, more of those hands-on types of experiences are, are always important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is relevant to our conversation today because, okay, these college students are our future audience, yeah. right? And, and our, our future audiences are, are that age now and, and, you know, are going to be farming are going to be, you know, working in the industry, whatever it is. And we would really like them to read our publications, you know, and, and in whatever, whatever platform and format that looks yeah, like. Yeah, for sure. Fascinating that those, those folks are saying, yeah, no, we still want that, that print thing in our hands. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it, it's interesting because I ask them sometimes, I'm like, what, so they say that you know, I like to hold this in my hands and then I'll say, okay, so what magazines do you have? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's usually kind of a, you know, there's like a lull <laughs> for a little bit. And then there's that, and then I'll hear like, you know, a lot of pop culture stuff. And of course you have to think about the age, but then I'll say, okay, what publications did you see in your house growing up? And you know, you have to assume a, a lot of these kids come from some sort of ag background. And then they'll all say, yeah, you know, my, my dad, my mom, they had subscriptions to different ag publications. And I remember seeing them laying around. And mm-hmm. So like, there's still very much that connection with them. But, you know, I, I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, that the information that they actually want to consume changes all the time and their attention span like whatever, I know my attention span has probably decreased over the years, mm-hmm. and maybe that's something social media has done to me. Um, but if you think hours are short, like there's a real, <laughs> you better, you better get to the point real quick. Yeah. And how do you, how do you, I guess question then too, is how do you address that as a, as a professor, but then also how do we address that as a, as a provider of that content? I mean, is yeah. that just for the 2000 word story? Well, and that's, so that's an interesting point. Um, you know, it, I, I still see a lot of students that are that really enjoy reading. And so like they'll consume books and novels. So to say that they don't want to read long form journalism maybe isn't fair. Right. Um, I still think, but it, it probably just depends on the topic, you know, yeah. um, the, the content itself really matters. You know, one, one thing that I really like to encourage in my class is you know, read good stuff, like read good work by other authors or writers that um, that really have 
a good grasp of, of what they're doing and, you know, take note of those things. And why is it that you enjoy reading those things? And, um, you know, that's you know, the thing about my class at, at that point, you know, they're seniors, they've, they've been through all the technical classes of writing. Um, the magazine class is a lot less of me standing up there talking and yapping for an hour and a half and more <laughs> hands-on. Like we do a lot of, you know, I have them read a lot of different articles. Um, I've had them read some of your stuff that's on our, on our class site that they have to go Thank read. You very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, also there's, there's a lot of peer editing and there's a lot of in-class work time and getting some of that real, real-time feedback. Um, yeah. And you know, in, in doing so, they're getting more of an experience where they can kind of wrap their mind around some of these concepts of what makes a good story, what makes a not so good story, and how can they improve and get better. And, you know, again, that, that appreciation of whether it's a short news story or a long form, long form like really in-depth type of feature story, um, you know, some of them really gra- gravitate toward those and others like the shorter. So it's, yeah. you know, it's a little bit of everything. I try to expose them to as many different ways to do that as possible. But, you know, it's very much more of a hands-on learning environment than a lecture. Yeah. I feel like if there's been a theme to any of this series on uh, the future print is that idea that like um, good, compelling writing still matters. No yeah, matter what, sure does. what platform you know, Bill Spiegel and I talked about in the first one, you know, that um, what Mike Wilson had drilled into my head years ago that you need to write, assuming your your reader has something better to do. Than yeah, you, I love that. Like I, heard, <laughs> I heard that from that episode and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to remember that. In my class. Yeah. Like, that's such a good thing yeah. to remember. Um, yeah. Like, you know, write like you want them to really spend the time that it's worth yeah. their time to invest right. in reading that. Right. I don't want ever want somebody to finish reading something and be like, meh. <laughs> well, darn, I can't get those that. 10 minutes back, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> minutes of my life I will never get back. Now, we want them to come away saying, I'm really glad I read that and I want to share it with somebody or I, it's going to change the way, you know, I'm going to go look something up or whatever. Um, that That's the goal anyway. But I thought it was interesting too. There's a Ag Media Council survey every year. Um, and the results of the 2022 uh, media channel study is what they call it, um, came out, I think, in May. Um, and I was looking at some of that. And they surveyed 3,000 growers or got responses from 3,000 growers. We'll say that. Um, and that was all in early 2022. And a lot of the things that they found is kind of exactly what your students are saying, that they're still, you know, they're still using um, ag magazines or newspapers or that, that print thing you know, on a weekly and a monthly basis as however it comes out, um, even, even among daily digital users, you know, they're still going back for that thing on a paper, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, thinking about that survey and I always enjoy seeing those results and Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like every year we're waiting for that to just like, I don't know, give us a reason to change everything. (laughs) And, And this isn't, this isn't at the fault of the survey, but it continues okay. to say a very similar theme in that print does still matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, when I was at National Sorghum Producers in my commodity years, um, we used to print in-house uh, a weekly newsletter mm-hmm. called Sorghum Notes, and they still do. And it would get mailed out all over the country. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times we tried to kill that thing and just be like, we sent it, because we also <laughs> sent it, we also sent it digitally. And I mean, 
such a big deal. And I, I can't speak to if they're still doing this or not, but it was such a big deal that like we knew that, you know, facing hell's wrath if we stopped uh-huh. mailing it to those you know certain groups of people that like to get that in the mail and you know it's obviously not a, a print publication but it's still a piece of paper and it has content on it that they found valuable enough to you know that was a hill they were willing to die on is you know right. I want that print piece of information right yeah and I think that was a big thing that came out of that survey this year too that even among those folks who are daily digital users you know so not not people who don't have the internet, but who have the internet, they're using our websites, they're using social media, everything daily, they still want the print on top of that. It, it certainly is. And, you know, with, with our readership, and this is something we think about every year with the agriculturists. And, and I ask, I ask our students, I'm like, do you think we should still print this magazine? <laughs> and, and they all usually, I, I don't know if I've ever had anybody resoundingly like say, no, like we should, can't, we should stop printing this magazine. Mm-hmm. They, they view that as kind of the, that's kind of like a, you know, it's obviously a capstone class, but it's like a, a, a trophy of their experience in our program. Like that magazine becomes representative of them. And it's something that every class gets to hold and see. And, you know, they get to have their copy. And their parents get to receive a copy and they can take (laughs) off, you know, and, and there's, there's a physical tangible thing that now represents and encapsulates this entire, you know, usually for your experience um, of, of their college life. And, you know, there's a lot of symbolism in that as well. I think that, you know, beyond what we're talking about, but just getting to have something that, that they get to, you know, hold and see and keep. Right. Right. Well, and that's why I think our, you know, the farmers that we have in the magazine want a copy of it or they want six copies of it or whatever to save. Like nobody's emailing me saying, hey, can I have a PDF of that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I know. And, and and that's what's, you know, again, I, I ask them like, should we do this? And they're like, no. And and then I'll say, okay, so where does the website come in? You know, how do we value the content on the website? And they'll say, you know, again, we're this is a learning environment. So I'm trying to get them to ask, answer questions, mm-hmm. think critically about this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to challenge them. Like some of you are going to be making these decisions in organizations or at publications someday that like beyond what your personal preferences are, like how does this, mm-hmm. how does it, you know, number out on the spreadsheet someday? Right. Um, and, you know, they'll tell you, you've got to have a little bit of everything. You kind of got to be, everywhere and that becomes the challenge of a you know for thinking beyond publications but as an ag communicator how do you divide and conquer your content across so many different platforms and you know I think that will be an issue that we'll continue to have to face you know for years to come. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a fascinating um, table in that in that um, media channel study that you know looked at by age how are how are farmers using different you know types of media and, and whatever and they had it broken out by 45 and under 45 to 64 and then 65 plus and um, every age group you know had ag magazines or newspapers at the top you know anywhere from 61 to 67 percent um, were using those at least weekly then when you got down to uh, let's see ag websites on a mobile device right? So then your 65 plus drops off significantly, 38%, <laughs> you know, are looking at that on a weekly basis. Uh, the middle group, 45 to 64, 52% of them are looking at it, but you go down to that under 45 group, they're still right up there at 63%, virtually the same as that they're using 
um, printed magazines and newspapers. Yeah. Which kind of feels like it's, it's that whole thing that we talk about, like, as you're asking your students, okay, so how do we present this digitally as well? Like how right, do we, yeah. and what I, can we add to that digital publication that maybe we couldn't have done over here? So they've got it both, both ways. That's right. I, I laughed when the first episode where you guys were talking about this with Bill and he said, um, you know, how do we include the TikTok generation? And he was basically like, you know, I'm not doing it. Yeah, we should do that, but not me. Um, and I get it. Like I'm, you know, and, and, you know, what's, what's fascinating is I've heard students tell me before, and, and they recognize this as something that maybe they shouldn't be doing, which I think is good, but they'll say, yeah, sometimes I'll get in bed at night and I'll realize it's 1.30 in the morning and I've just been scrolling TikTok for two and a half hours. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, right. <laughs> hey, I'm guilty also of getting on, you know, my phone yes. or something before I go to bed. And, you know, all of us do that a little bit though. Right. Wow, that's a lot and that's kind of normal like they that's that's something that they do so if that's where they are you know how do you capitalize on that and and you see in fact yesterday i i presented to the um, national peanut leadership academy it was in town here in lubbock um doing some tours and and we were doing media training and, and talking mm -hmm. about using social media to advocate for agriculture and you know there's a lot of really great examples of people in ag producers themselves that are generating outstanding content um, so then the question becomes like, where's the line between what ag publications and ag media should be doing versus like what's actually grower generated? Um, you know, where's where's the the benefit to both there? And so, you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting stuff to to consider, and it's some you know there'll be another type of medium that comes out that we haven't even thought of that we'll be sitting here asking the same questions about. You know, right. yeah, because nobody conceived a TikTok a few years ago. But. Yeah. I remember I, I teach a, a field-based photography course and we were in a van driving back from New Mexico and we're in the middle of nowhere. So I don't even know how this girl had cell phone reception, but she was watching something on her phone and they were just like giggling and laughing about it. I'm like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, it's this new thing called TikTok. It was been several years ago. And I'm like, what? Like, it could, and that's kind of a moment when I was like, oh, I'm really out. Like, right. <laughs> so right. They're, yeah, teaching, they're teaching you now. <laughs> I've lost touch. Yep. Absolutely. So as you guys are having conversations in classes, though, you know, about the things that they like to see and, and consume and how they do that and present it and all that kind of stuff. Are there things that they're saying that are surprising you, you know, that that they're coming up with that you're like, well, I hadn't thought about that that way. I mean, not not especially. I think, you know, for a lot of students in the class, they, they have to take a news writing course mm -hmm. um, as a requirement. Um, before they get to magazine. And obviously there's a lot of other writing intensive type courses that they have gone through. So it's not like this is the first time they've really had to put together newsy type of content. But something that I continually see as a trend just in terms of a skill set, um, this isn't really answering your question, but maybe it kind of gets there. But um, <laughs> they're all really intimidated by conducting interviews. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about that, like from a bigger picture, like, what does that really mean? Is that an interpersonal challenge? Like, has the digital divide created that apprehension of I'm, you know, I'm not used to talking to people. I, you know, and I'm like, you're not interrogating them. Like, you're having a conversation with them, you know, you're just interviewing them. And that, that tends to be something that I, and, and that's one reason why I love having you come visit with my class is because um, you're, you're interviewing techniques and um, tips are so like the students always talk about how much they appreciate that because you know I, I realize that that's not something 
despite the amount of writing that they've done, they still mm-hmm. haven't been through the trenches of doing interviews. And mm-hmm. that's something I felt like personally, when I was in college, I did a ton of freelancing. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I bet if I still had these, I doubt I have any of these still hanging around, but some of those old transcripts, I would just cringe at myself with the, the way I did an interview. But like I was learning, you know, I was yeah. Yeah. learn by doing and I can only get up there in front of the class and talk about it so much like they have to go do it. Right. And I've had students have to go doing that like they came back and they're like, oh, I got were yes, no answers. And I said, well, what did you do to help with that? And they're like, I just got nervous. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> Which is stinks, so honest but... and so true. Like it happens. It is. Yeah. And I don't want to paint a picture that that's everybody because I've had oh. some students that are just outstanding interviewers and and do really really great jobs that but um, that is kind of a theme that you know spending more time on that so again like thinking about the impact of consuming digital content all the time also on the flip side can can intervene with their ability to, to talk and you know right. critically ask questions in an interview so there's right. it kind of comes full circle there yeah and I think that idea of listening and thinking at the same time which sounds and I'm not talking down to anybody. That's hard to do. That's what our broadcasters yeah. are very good at. They're listening, oh they're formulating a question and they're, you know, doing it in real time. And I think, I, I wonder if that's part of, you know, when you're all on a device, you know, you're, you're not maybe thinking on the fly quite as quickly. And in some ways right. that's good, right? You can yeah. measure a response, but like maybe a little bit of that is getting lost there. Yeah. And you know, again, some of the techniques of interviewing too come down to, and I, and I always encourage them, like, record that sucker, you know, like, yeah. don't, there's no yes. shame in that. Everybody, you know, a lot of people do that, um, but make sure you get permission first and right. record it. And I said, you should still take notes, but, you know, being able to think while you're listening and, and being able to grasp onto something that that person told you so that you could, I, I said, you're, you're, and I have them like develop a really good quality list of questions in advance and we do that in class and then we kind of ask okay okay, right reorder them and how you think the conversation should go so we do a lot of that but I also tell them like sometimes you don't stick to the script like sometimes it goes off you know and you you know it goes in a good place and sometimes you got to bring them back on onto the uh, trail uh, a little bit but you know sometimes it goes in a place you weren't expecting and that ends up being a really great thing but um, but yeah, the interview experience to me, I think is always one of the most pivotal experiences of the whole mm-hmm. magazine class. And, and I tell them like a good interview will write the story for you. Yes. And, um, yeah. but that, that professional experience of having to set up an interview, go talk to people, you know, think critically about what those interviews actually mean for your story, uh, mm-hmm. that's big stuff. And again, mm-hmm. that, that interpersonal, uh, interaction is a big part of that. Yeah, very true. You know that we we did we did a panel at Ag Media Summit several years ago on interviewing and the whole the whole idea for that thing came out of that idea of like, you know, back whatever however many years ago, we didn't we weren't really taught interviewing in college. It was I, th- I think it was kind of a given. You go write the story, so you're going to have to interview people first and you just Yeah, ask them. like this is a, just part of it, like get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like breathing. Like just do you'll, it. You'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and there is a whole skill and a knack to it and and uh interview apprehension is is real, you know. Yeah. Especially for a young person, so. Yeah. That's a, and that's a big part. And another funny thing that they sometimes get hung up on is headlines. Writing mm. good headlines and mm. some of them will write it right at the beginning and others that's like the last thing that they put even in their layout they're like I just can't decide 
It's hard to commit. It's hard to commit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so any last, I guess, thinking about, you know, um, things that you see coming? I mean, what's your, what's your crystal ball on the future? <laughs> what, what are those students going to be saying in five years when you ask them that question of, should we print this uh, thing? I, you know, I truly believe there, you know, and I don't want to always say like, oh, there's always going to be this place for print. And, but I, I believe if we're talking five years, maybe even 10 years, there's still a need for that print publication. Um, you know, when I think about our student publication, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of moving parts there and something that we're always really working hard to do is make sure that we make that class something that does um you know reflect the industry trends and you know that's something i always want to keep a pulse on that's why i really appreciate people like you that can can help us have these conversations but yeah i think our students you know um they're going to continue to to have that same thought mm -hmm. um I also wonder, you, you made a point in, in one of your episodes about like, we're a traditional, like as an industry, we're traditional. Mm -hmm. And I think that still kind of remains true, even with the younger half of, of who we're talking about. Um, you know, they're, they're used to still seeing print publications laying around their parents' house or even their own homes. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's something they're going to continue to want. What we are challenged with, again, and this isn't going to change, is constantly evolving to figure out what what we prioritize in terms of where the content goes mm -hmm. um, at some point we can't we can't commit to putting something in everything you know you can't touch all the bases all the time and think that you're doing a good job um so we have to kind of figure out you know whether it's our class or the or the industry you know where can we have the biggest impact and that's something that is going to evolve all the time constantly yeah for sure well and like you know, we can, we can put out a, a print publication and a digital publication and, and, um, you know, look at what goes in each of those things and how do we tell that story a little better or a little differently. But I think it'll be really interesting to see your students become professionals, become producers, farmers and ranchers. And, and what are they going to, what, what ideas are they going to have for how, for how they tell that in that yeah. platform too? Yeah, absolutely. Stuff we and haven't even thought of. Yeah, I know. And that's what's, you know, it's kind of cool, though, like to think yeah. about the things that that we haven't even imagined yet. And you know, that, that's exciting to me. Um, but yeah, their worlds are going to continue to change. Um, I always enjoy, you know, reconnecting with students that have been out just for a little bit. And they they'll be like, man, you know, that block was really tough. And that really challenged me. But man, I felt I was ready the first day I went to work. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that they had a confidence from those, those hard experiences, but, you know, constantly pushing them to think and consider, you know, what's next and what, what's the, what's the next trend going to be, you know, they have to be thinking about that the second they leave our campus. Yeah. That's gotta be fulfilling. Yeah. Your students say that was hard, but it was worth it. Yes. You know, they may not have said that when they were in our building. <laughs> <laughs> they probably said um, a lot of other things, right? <laughs> other thoughts. Um, but yeah, when they, when they've had a, a chance for a little bit of reflection, I think they, they know that the hard part was worth it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think back, I think a lot of us would say that like those hard classes in college that nearly killed us were in fact worth it and, and, yeah. and kind of near what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And being able to be, you know, criticized and have someone, bleed all over your paper and right. you know that right. I, I remember when I did my internship with Holly Martin this was uh almost 20 years ago she said come in here and we're going to edit this together and 
And it was such a great learning experience because, yeah. um, you know, I'd had, I'd had stuff graded in college, but I hadn't had somebody, you know, a real live editor, you know, sit down and do that with me. And, and that was <laughs> such an, an important thing. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about our, I have our students do a lot of peer editing yeah. and obviously I grade their stuff and I, I try to put a ton of, like, I, I grade it like I'm an editor, you know, right. how would right. you improve this? Um, but something I've noticed with this, this group of students is they, they have a hard time being critical with each other. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be like, Oh, mine's terrible. I just need a lot of work. And, and then like, I had this one student who she's a really good writer, but she got paired up with somebody who was not a strong writer. Mm-hmm. And, but she was so worried about hurting their feelings. And there's the, the person that she was editing her, her their story was terrible. Like it had you know, incomplete <laughs> sentences right. and it was in a bad spot. Um, she's like, oh, this looks good. You know? And I said, Hey, you really think that looks good? So I just, I'm so worried about, you know, hurting the feelings. And so, you know, we, we have to talk a lot about like just the value. And I think this is an important communication skill. Like you can be critical without being a jerk. (laughs) You know, that's a, that's a skill that that's important, but those, those peer editing exercises are always really powerful and, you know, makes it, maybe that it'll help them with a conversation that's difficult later on in life. Right. Right. Kindness and honesty are tough together, but it usually can work pretty well. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, Lindsay, thank you for joining me here today on this. And I just really appreciate the insight that you've shared and and also just, just the experience that you're bringing to your students. You know, you've done this for real too, and, and are are training up students that um, we hope to all hire someday. (laughs) I hope so too. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Friends, I sure hope you enjoyed this third episode of our series, The Future of Print Media and Agriculture. I keep thinking about what Lindsay's college students said, that even they, Gen Z, the digital generation, they still want a paper publication in their hands, and how many opportunities will still exist for telling stories across multiple platforms, and how do we execute that as editors and communicators? We've still got a lot to talk about. I hope you'll stay tuned to the rest of the series. We are grateful to Wiffles Hybrids for sponsoring this conversation. I'm Holly Spangler. Thanks for listening to this episode of Above the Fold with the Ag Communicators Network.